Some viewers may find certain topics in the following video to be disturbing. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello everyone! My name is Zen the Penmeister, and welcome to the first episode of the very first season of the Realms of Velstafar, Campaign 1, The Blight of Valren. And today here with me are my wonderful dice goblins and gremlins. Would you like to say hello? Hola. Hello. Goodbye. Hey, baby. <laughs> I'm here, I guess. Wonderful. Now, before we begin, would everyone like to introduce themselves? Tell us the name of your character and where the lovely people at home can find you. All right. Hey everyone, I'm Amber. Today I'll be playing Rion, also known as Ree. She's a Kenku Druid. I can be found wandering the internet on Reddit, Discord, and a couple of other game podcasts. Hi, I'm Casey, and I'll be playing Elkinor Mistmorn, better known as Q, a half-elf hexblade warlock. And... I'm hoping you can't find me on the internet. No, I'm just kidding. You can find me uh, just on Facebook. <laughs> um, hello, I'm Cameron. Uh, I pronounce he him. I will be playing uh, Leia, the um, drow bard. Um, you can find me on Twitter at CLH Harrison. Hi, my name is Vladimir. I am playing Karma, a tiefling paladin, and you will probably not find me on social media. I'll be there lurking. Yeah. What is up, you fucking losers? My name is The Invader, or just Invader. Um, I will be playing Patch, the arcane game trickster pumpkin. Uh... You can find me mainly on my Twitter at death underscore the underscore kid 69. Made that username when I was just out of high school, so don't judge it. Um, and I'd like to give a quick shout out to the person who did my character art, Effervescent Nix. You can find them out on Twitter with that same name. Give them a follow and consider commissioning them. I would not have the art I have for Patch right now if it weren't for them. And I'm and I'm seven. I'm playing Alexand Alexandria, a human wizard artificer, and I don't have social media. All right, that's everybody. I think so. Well, I'd like to thank everyone for joining us on this adventure to the Blight of Valren. Now sit back, relax. And let us take you to a world of horror and intrigue. I hope you enjoy. The year was 367. In the capital city of Tale. And all around is fire. Fire and destruction. Dismembered bodies and blood fill the streets of this once bustling utopia. Created by the illustrious King Mowbray of the great Veer Empire. And in the sky... You see 14 figures with wings darker than the night sky, almost akin to those of a bat. Wings, all shrouded with darkness. Flying in front of these figures 
as what looks at first glance a human male with large wings made of feathers that look as if filled with nebulas. But upon closer inspection, the right half of this man's body is covered in what looks to be an inky black, pulsating gelatinous ooze that moves as if it's alive. Floating across from this figure was a being draped in robes of purple and gold, the crown resting on his head of icy white hair, the points of his ears nearly touching the crown. His electric blue eyes were brimming with power. The tears sliding down his cheek as he called out to the man in front of him. Why, Volin? Why have you done this to my home? My people? What did they do to deserve this? He gestures down to the city that was brightly on this dark night. By nothing. They did nothing, Francis. <laughs> then why? Because this world is mine. Let's do as I please. You understand that, yes? Since I am the one with power, why shouldn't I use it? You're a monster. I can't let you hurt anyone else. Mowbray begins chanting. His power surges from him. An avatar light, taller than a mountain, appears behind him. As he chants, Bonin looks frightened as he flies towards Mowbray and desperately screams, No! Stop! But before Volin could reach him, the avatar sweeps his hand down, grabs Volin, and the fourteen shrouded figures starts to descend through the ground. Just before Volin passes to the ground, he screams, I'll be back, and I'll destroy everything you worked so hard for, Francis. Mark my words. As he disappears through the ground, a wave of icy ether blasts out across the empire, making a once lovely and rich paradise into an arctic wasteland. As the blast passes him, King Mowbray falls to the ground, using all of his magic and life innocence to banish them. As the light leaves his eyes, he remembers the prophecy spoken to him just this morning. Balance be lost this eve, as darkness and destruction grieve. Through destiny he now weave, waiting till time for a new beginning to breathe. For when greed starts to deceive, through end to arc could achieve. But this is just legend. For a time long past, for the years now 892, and as nice as stories of time long gone are, the problems of now take precedent. This famine has been a blight on Varen for a decade now, causing large quantities of grain to be shipped to Cabras, the largest port city on Velvir. They come down to a ship pulling into port to deliver grain passengers. Patch, you look at your reflection in the waves as the ship is pulling into port. You see the distorted image of what you've become. 
looking up, you see the port of Cabras. Even on this cold summer's day, you see people walking along the docks, going about their daily lives. I watch the people go to and fro. You get lost in the memory of how you become what you are. As you look at the crowd around you, all of them here to see this gruesome spectacle that is to be your execution. As they walk you to the guillotine, you're bombarded with rotten fruits and stones. You look at the crowd, cry silently pleading for mercy. Yet all you see in their eyes is disgust and disdain. You spot your parents. They look at you as they always have. Yet there seems to be a small amount of joy in their eyes as they see you get laid down below the blade. You see your father turn towards your mother, and hear as he whispers to her, Good riddance. This fills you with something you haven't really felt before. A feeling of unadulterated, burning rage. As the priest stands next to you, he calls out to the crowd in a loud, yet elderly voice. People of Karnak. We gather here for the justly and holy execution of this witch, this child tainted by the gifts of the gods. As we know, we being of the mortal plane cannot save his soul. So we must send it to the other side so that the light bringer can purify him and send his soul to the Horus of Vulcan. But he may find peace. He turns towards you, eyes filled with remorse, as a tear slides down his cheek. Do you have any last words, Hatch? Hatch looks up at the man and then looks at the crowd, tears streaming in his face, yet rage burning in his eyes. You all are monsters. And that monster you seek to destroy. If I meet the devil on my way to hell, I'll tell him that you all get the damn devil. Let's down. I will make sure nothing of this town is left. Not even He then looks to his father, and I will make sure you. I survived. No, you were your participant. You are The priest looks shook as you scream out. He looks directly into your eyes. Tears now freely streaming down his cheeks as he whispers softly. Very well. He motions towards the executioner to drop the blade. Close your eyes. Tears streaming down your cheek as the blade falls. Right as it touches your neck, time slows to nearly a halt as you hear a voice call out to you. What would you give to live? Uh -huh. <laughs> what was that? 
looks at his hands. But just puts his hand to his neck. I would give everything. Everything. Your soul. Your freedom. I would give everything to make sure that village burns, leaving nothing, not even, not even a memory. I want them to suffer as you want the animals. Very well. We have an accord. <laughs> Time resumes, and your head is severed from your body and your eyes go dark. You wake up, looking around, you see you're surrounded by dirt. As you roll onto your back, you see you're in a hole in the ground. And the book that started all of this, glowing below you, in a shade of crimson you've never seen before. As you pick it up, it opens to a page. And it says, burn them all. Burn your home to the ground. And serve me. <laughs> As you crawl out of your grave, you notice that your arms are no longer made of flesh. They seem to be made of vines. Darker than the night sky. You walk to the town, grabbing a nearby lantern, starting to light all the thatched roofs of the houses on fire. As you look through one of the windows, you notice that your face has changed as well. It's unrecognizable. You see a pumpkin with this look as if it's been carved with an ethereal blue flame within. As you light your la the last house, your parents' home, you walk toward a nearby hill and watch the flames light this cloudy night. And he looks soon, down. No, you go first, you go first. As you turn toward the village, you hear the screams and smell the scent of burning flesh. Changed. Now reads, go to Calvaris and find her. Under the text is a portrait 
as you come to. The boat is docked, and the crew of the ship are ushering the passengers off. Oi, Mr. Plant. It's time to get off. You turn towards the <coughs> Apologies. Could you repeat that? Apologies, good sir. I was lost in thoughts. <laughs> well, there's something you should probably know. When you get off the dock, at the end of the dock, you're going to walk to a certain building. Above it will read Visitor and Tourist Registration. You have to go there to be allowed entry into the city. Register yourself. Thank you for the information, my good sir. Yeah, just you are quite the kind of Get in line there. And they'll get you sorted. And enjoy Carverus. I shall, good sir. Believe me. Shall. <laughs> he looks a little we weirded out as you walk toward the line. He walks back toward his crew. You're standing in the line for a few moments. And just waiting. Before you feel someone bump into you from behind. His head. He angles his back to like look behind him. Like he just like flips back. He doesn't flip. He just like leans backwards to see who bumped into him. As you turn to see who it is, you see a female drow falling to the ground. Cameron, you're reading the book. The one your wife stole from the late Kavet Lenorza. You're so engrossed with it that you don't notice you're falling until you hit the ground. And as your head touches the wood of the dock, your eyes close for only a second. But as you open them, you're running, running fast, running hard, hoping that her soldiers don't catch up. As you run, tears are streaming down your cheeks as you think about what they did to your wife, how they flayed her skin, how her once gorgeous eyes look at you with love and care viciously gouged from their sockets. How her hands were devoid of fingers and her feet toes. Lastly, you think of what you did to her, the mercy you granted, just so she would no longer suffer. And in her dying breath, she told you where the book was. That was why she did this to your wife. You got it from the hiding place she told you about. And you started to head back to your home, hoping, praying that she wouldn't know you had it. But she knew. She sent soldiers to capture you. So you ran. 
for a full day and night you've been running. You feel your body collapse from exhaustion. As your consciousness fades, you see a woman running towards you. You wake up. You're in a room made completely of wood. It's empty except for the bed you now lay on and a wardrobe in the far corner. How would Laya react waking up in this unfamiliar place? She would get up immediately, check the state of her clothing, grab anything for a weapon. You have no weapons on you, but you're in a fresh set of clothes, and it looks like someone has bathed you while you're asleep. And you have a few bandages here and there. I immediately start looking for my violin. As you start to look, you hear a knock on the door. You're right in there. I go stand behind the is the dresser uh is there space behind the dresser sort of like is it in the middle of the room or middle of the wall and there's a place to stand next to it so that it's in the far corner in the room it's up against the wall both ways gotcha i cautiously approach the door may i come in I take a couple of step back, steps back and go, you may enter. You see the doorknob turn slowly and be pushed in. And what you see coming in, or shall I say, who you see, is... you see is a younger woman with short blonde hair shaved on one side with seaweed green eyes sorted her hip in sailor's garb you've been asleep for a while you know How long was I out? Four days. You seemed exhausted. Let's just say I wasn't leave it at that. Well, to be completely honest with you, I may have helped you out, but I didn't do it for free. You did not have to help me. You're right, I didn't. But it's always nice to have someone know you for a while. So, for the treatment you've received, I want you to serve 
on my trading vessel for a year. It seemed like you're trying to get away from something in this country, and we won't be back till then. What do you say? I can agree to that. Oh, and I guess I should introduce myself. I am Captain Laura Freehold, and currently we are in my half-brother's establishment in the Puerto Cabras. You should thank him when you get the chance. He's left for a couple of days, and we'll be gone before he gets back. So, get yourself to rest. All your items are on the ship already. I'll meet you in the lobby. She turns and leaves the room. Close the door. Put the clothes on. Is there a uh, bowl of water to wash my face with? Well, yes, there is. give myself a splash to try and wash off the feeling of disgust that is sweeping across to me. I'll look at myself in the reflection of the water. the sigh and then I will walk out and meet Captain Freehold. You blink a couple times and you're back on the floor of the dock and as you're Regaining your bearings, you look above you and see a creature in a vines, the head of a jack-o'-lantern, standing above you. I am so terribly sorry. I am afraid I wasn't looking where I was going. Ash gives an unsettling smile. A smile that, like, lets the fire, like, show through his face. And, like, just lean, turns around and leans down to the drow's eye level. He then looks at the drow, takes out his book, and, like, looks at the page. To see if it's, like, the right person. Mm -hmm. He, like, looks back at the page page and then looks at the drow, then looks at the page and looks at the drow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> is it the correct one? Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Pass then lo looks, <laughs> looks at the drow one more time. It's like, <laughs> he puts the book like, in between his arms and just... Pit. Cameron, what's your uh, character's name again? 
Liar. 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 Aiden just picks up Liar like picking up a like a like picking up a stray kitten. <laughs> Before you close the book, the hey! notes, you see the text change. Say protector. All right. He then puts the, he then takes the book, puts it back in his hat, and then just puts Lia down. Lia's literally half your height. I know that's why I said picks her up like a stray kitten. <laughs> and hits the shot of hey. <laughs> Apologies. I didn't know what I was supposed to do with you. Now I know. As you two are conversing, you both hear a repeated thumping against the wood of the dock, as if somebody is stomping their foot over and over. And the noise is coming from right behind y'all. I have to say something quickly, I turn and look. You, t- you turn to see a human woman dressed in really fine clothes, tapping her foot impatiently. She watches you converse. Uh, servant. As you see the two people in front of you turn to face you, you laminate on the fact that you even have to wait in a line in the first place. You're used to just being able to walk right past them. And no one doing anything to stop you. And why would they? You're an ebon flame. Or at least, you were. You remember it like it was yesterday. Your family's butler led the elderly monk into your room. As you read through one of the magic tomes your family has purchased for you. Annoyed you're only allowed to read them and not practice. And accidentally... Gave your brother the shits when trying to cast a spell. He sits down across from you and asks, May I see the mark, child? Uh, if you must, and I'll show my hand. Hmm. He takes it into his hand. He looks at it, rubs his thumb along it, closes his eyes, and you see a wisp of magic, and your mark glows. He looks at the butler and you and tells you, That's the mark of a primordial. They're known for messing with your magic casting. It means you're one of their blessed. No one has really been known to be able to control it. So I'm sorry, child. Your magic will be chaotic from now on. He stands up to walk out the door. Gives one last bow to the butler and leaves. As he leaves, you see your father, Magister Ebonflame, walk in. He was outside the door listening the entire time. He turns towards you, 
his eyes cold as ever. Amelia. You are to be confined in this manner. You're already an embarrassment to our family, and this just makes us a laughing stock. You're not to leave. You're not to interact with anyone but the servants, and you're not to cast any magic. Well understood, young lady. But, Father, that isn't fair. I didn't... That's enough. Let me know more on this matter. Walks out. Butler looks at you. Just smiles sadly. I'm sorry, young master. I'll try to change his mind. And he briskly walks out behind him. Old man hasn't changed his mind about anything in years. No hope. As you say this, an idea strikes you. But you want to wait till tonight, where there's the least resistance. That night, you grab your prized spell book, some items you think will be helpful as long as your coin purse. As you exit your room, you start to sneak down the hallway. Can I get a stealth check from you? Uh, sure. Uh, 17. As you make it down to the second floor landing, you watch as your family's butler just walks right past you, not even noticing you. He starts to head toward your room. You know you gotta be quick. But you don't want to give yourself away. What would you like to do? I'm just gonna keep making my way as quick as possible to, like, the back door. Alright. Are you trying to be stealthy about it? Yes. All right, roll stealth. That's a five. As you make it to the back door, you hear screaming coming from upstairs. Magister, Magister, your daughter, she's she's left. You know you don't have much time now. You start to book it, you start to run, and. You make it past the uh, gardens before you even turn to look. And you don't see anyone following you. You've made it. But you know you don't have long. You head down to the city, half a mile away. Notice the sun start to rise as you waited till quite late till you make your escape. the docks you see a ship getting ready to depart. A half-elven woman and a shorter female drow 
lugging supplies onto a ship. You notice it's the last thing they're loading on. It's the only ship in port. What would you like to do? Is it just these two around? There's Drown and... Um... They're the only two left on the dock. The rest are on the ship. Can I... I will... Where's the captain? I have to talk to her, whoever that is. The half-elven woman looks at you. I'm the captain. What can I help you for? I require a uh, passage on your ship. Destination? Wherever. Away from here. Our next stop is Cavres. Sounds good to me. That'll be five gold. To sort through it. We have the room. How much? Fine. Um, I'll give her the five. Yeah. Yeah, you currently only... You currently are left with, let's say, 23 gold now. Because, noble lady, you had a decent, even you being in contempt of your family, you still got a decent allowance. All right. Let us sail off. As she escorts you up the gangplank, right as they start pulling away from the dock, you see the butler booking it. He screams, young mistress, young mistress, what are you doing? By the time he reaches the end of the dock, it's already too far. So they f- you. We're back to you being faced with this drow and. But it just so happened to be the same drow that was loading those items at the dock that you departed from. And this pumpkin. What would you like to say to them as they're making this disturbance and causing the lime to be held up? Can you two stop holding up the line? I have places to be and things to do. What did you possibly have to do that's more important than than being in this line? I don't see how it's in your business. Well, I wish you the best of luck, considering that this queue is going to be taking forever to register. Well, as you say that, you turn around and notice there's like six people that's gone through the line, and there's just a big gap in the line. I immediately start walking forward. That's the dispatch. Come along, my orange friend. The queues move forward. He 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 begins he begins to follow. Uh, Cameron, I'm so sorry. Slaya. Slaya, thank you. He begins to follow Slaya with a little skip in his step. But he he makes sure to walk a little slower, just so like the elven woman. Men has to like follow his face, just to be a bit of a prick. 
with a smirk on his pumpkin face as he does so. As you correct the gap in the line, a figure approaches from the direction of Laura's vessel. It was the other passenger of the SS Brandy. This person is wearing a dark green cloak that looks as if made of a large leaf that none of you recognize at first glance. Peeking out of the front of the cloak, connected to a necklace of, of vines, it's a crystal that was as dark as a nightless sky. This person has their hood up, obscuring most of their face, only revealing the tip of what looks to be a beak. Amber. While you walk toward the line, document your entry into Varen, as you've done in so many countries before. You readjust your hood, trying to hide your beak within, as if you're unsure if, well, people of this country treat you as poorly as the last couple have. Looking around, you can't help but think of the reason you left home. The sigh. You think back on the day you decided. You were done waiting and hoping. To the moment where, for the first time in your life, you chose to defy the elders and go looking for the thing most precious to you. It's been a year since the last letter. That you still hope that maybe, just maybe, one would arrive. You knew it was foolish. Foolish to hope, but you felt that if you didn't, it meant that you gave up on him. That was the one thing you promised yourself when the letter stopped arriving. To never give up on him. But you've waited here long enough. It was time to act. Rushing through your home, you pack what little belongings you have and grab the money you've been saving for this moment. As you turn to exit your home, you see your parents standing by the door, waiting. And where do you think you're going? To find my brother. You know, he wouldn't want you to do this, to leave. He wants you to stay. Have a life. Be happy. And what if my life is out there? Roll a persuasion check. That is 22. You... Natural 20, I thought. Oh, okay, yeah. That changes things. You look at your mother. She takes a deep sigh. Smiles softly at you. Just like your brother. Always looking for adventure. Very well, then. Before you go, I have a couple things for you. As she walks to the locked cupboard in your home, she pulls the key from around her neck, and she 
unlocks it. She opens the doors. You can't help but feel slightly apprehensive because you've never seen inside before. She opens it fully. You see that there are only two items in this cupboard. You see a book that looks dark mahogany red brass inlays and the most beautiful sickle you have ever seen it looks as if it's shimmering with moonlight she grabs the two items walks back toward you hands them to you I know thank you mama I know you're gonna do so great I just want you to be safe she pulls you into a tight embrace starts to cry on your shoulder promise me promise me you'll be safe I'll stay safe mama alright I'll come back in her eyes she smiles in her eyes, you notice as she smiles that they don't reach her eyes. Her smile doesn't reach her eyes at all. As she watches you leave, she's watching you leave for the last time. As you're walking out the village, you see one of the elders hurriedly rushing toward you. You know this to be Elder Kroktur. Ms. Rian, Ms. Rian, please stop for a minute. Yes, Elder? You do know what will happen if you leave this town, don't you? You've strictly forbidden anyone to leave. You want to be banished like your brother? If that's what need must happen. Don't you at least want to know why your brother was banished? Of course. His smile turns a little malicious. He refused to marry my daughter. Well, well, I can't blame him. Yeah, you know she's like 50-something years old. And spoiled rotten. Yep. Very well. As soon as he's you walk out to this village. If you return, on your head it be. He turns and walks away. As she turns back to the road, she'll mutter under her breath, good riddance. Well, there are people she'll miss here. There are several. 
she is glad she will never see again. As you leave the village you have called home all your life, you turn and take one last look. A tear slides down your cheek knowing that is the most likely the last time you'll see home. Taking a deep breath, you center yourself. You look at the last letter he sent you. Now, he had just arrived at the city of Copris. We're staying in an inn called the Thirsty Mermaid. With a small step, he starts heading down the mountain towards the forest below. Well, Rion is lost in her mind, thinking on why she chose to leave home. We will jump a little bit farther into the line, to the front, actually. Or we'll see an average height individual, slightly 400 years, arguing with a halfling. Said halfling was short and wide, around slightly, around and slightly ordinary face. Short brown hair, well, it's well kept, a trimmed brown beard, and bright green eyes that are slightly narrowed in annoyance. A few wrinkles on his face become more pronounced with this frown. But Casey, I'm going to give you a little context. The entry price to enter Cavras is one gold piece. You're trying to haggle it down. Mainly because he looked at you funny. I told you the last time, it's one gold piece to enter the city. No more, no less. There's nothing you can say that changed my mind. <laughs> right. One gold is for normal people, and Q ain't normal. Bad things tend to happen for people who disagree with me, and I think that one gold is just a little steep. I'm sure you can do better. Are you trying to persuade him or intimidate him? Intimidate. Roll intimidation. 19. With a 21. He does not look phased at all. All right. You're either going to pay a gold piece, or we're going to lock you up and ship you back to your home country. All on your, all on your coin. All right, fine. And I'm going to flip him a gold piece. He snags it out the air, gives you your uh, visitation card, and... Looks you dead in the eye with a smirk. Enjoy Cavernous. I also want to see if where this guy, like, I just want to notice out of the corner of my eye where he puts that gold because, uh... <clears throat> As he grabs it, it vanishes in thin air. Okay. This guy's not going on the list. As you step away, after failing to haggle with the Dockmaster... You reminisce on the whole reason you're here in this God's damned freezing country. You. 
thought you were careful. They couldn't find you both. But you're wrong. Your master, the closest thing you have to a father, lays dying. Narrow embedded deep into his heart. Something I must tell you. <coughs> he grasps your hand, pulls it close to his chest, very slowly. You can see the fighting to stay awake. You gave me something I never thought I'd have. chance to be a father. I'm so proud of you, my son. <coughs> he just starts coughing up blood, trying to stave off his death for a few more precious moments. He reaches for the satchel he's always carried on him and shoves it into your chest. Take it. Don't let them have it. Guard it with your life. <coughs> they get their hands on it. The world is doomed. I love you. The light leaves his eyes. An arrow whizzes past your head. You're filled with anger, sadness. You can feel it as if it's emanating from your skin. Fire. In your adult state, time seems to slow down as a voice echoes into your mind. <laughs> Lost your father now, have we? Or your second father? Would you like to avenge him? To avenge the cowardly way he died? Hugh, still shaking while holding the hand of his only per person who's shown him any kind of love. Tears falling from his eyes, looks up and around for the sound, obviously seeing nothing. Thinks that he's probably talking to himself and he's going to just fall into that anger and say, absolutely, yes, I'm, I, I, he doesn't even speak the words. It's almost like an absolute acceptance of the idea of vengeance. He, the being, chuckles as you see him start to materialize in front of you. It, it's not a solid form yet. You can see him 
perfectly in detail. He's taking the form of your dead master right in front of you. But you, tell, you know it's not him. By the horns on his head and the glowing red eyes. I can give you that power if you want it. But it won't come free. Pledge yourself to me. I'll give you all the power you'll ever need. Q thinks of all he's lost and of all the people on his that have taken something from him <coughs> and immediately looks up at the demon or his dead master, which is clearly a demon and says, I'll do anything to get my revenge. He offers his right hand out and you see as it starts to become physical as if on the as a transfer in the material plane, but it stops his wrist. Shake, and we'll have an accord. Hand still shaking, Hugh reaches out and firmly grasps the hand of the demon, giving it a good shake. As you shake his hand, you feel excruciating pain as power is forced into your body. This ether is burning my asthma, just flowing through you. And as let's go, he disappears. And bursting through the bushes with the three archers who have been hunting you down for days. You feel this power surge through you as if it's about to overflow from your body. And an arrow whizzes past your head. And you just wish for them to die, to answer for what they've done. And your magic responds. <clears throat> Three beams of a dark purple, dark pink, Exit from your hand, colliding with the three archers. Two of them straight through their hearts, but the third one blows off his leg. He falls to the ground, screaming, grasping the stump. <laughs> what would you like to do? He was going to look down at his hand, where there's still some of that eldritch energy crackling and he's going to smile no laughter tears still falling he's going to smile as he watches this man scream into the heavens don't kill me i'll tell you anything just just don't kill me he's going to look down at the man walk slowly forward with that same smile and interrogate so he's going to you know we're gonna <clears throat> yeah he's gonna interrogate are you wanting to you how you want to interrogate him like are you wanting to intimidate him i need to answers or you want to try to 
just be up. He's Go ahead. yeah. I mean, he's dying anyway, right? So like, I can. I'm gonna take. We I'll pull out a knife and I'm going to uh, threaten to make his. Listen, you're dying anyway, so you can go out quick or you can go out painful. Your choice. Roll intimidation Tell me where with advantage. I need to go. Roll intimidation with advantage. Ouch. What'd you get? A 12? Well, he got a nat one, so. Yep. Oh, great. He's looking at you. Fear filling his eyes. As he's resigned, he knows he's going to die now. But he at least wants it to be quick. Monocle cult. I swear it was them. They hired us. They just wanted the book, man. The book. You... What book? You think about... As you say that, you remember the satchel that your master shoved into your arms before he passed. So you open it up. So I look down. Yep. Go ahead. So you open it up. Yep. There's a book in here. It's very strange because you've never seen a book like this before. It looks if like it's made of a volcanic rock. And there's a strange symbol embedded on the cover. It looks if like it's made of molten lava, but it's cool to the touch. I swear that's all I know, man. Just, just, just don't let me die like this. You holds up the book. Thanks for the information. And then he walks away. No, 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 please, please, no. Don't let me die like this. He just... That same smile is on his face. As you walk away. Hearing the fading sounds of weeping. <clears throat> you walk past your master's body. And knowing the threat is past for now. You don't really feel comfortable just letting it sit out here to rot. You fashion yourself a makeshift shovel out of twigs and wood. Dig a shallow grave. You lay your master in it. Cover him in dirt. And you stick his sword, sword of his family, into the dirt right behind the mound. With nary a word, you venture off, going to the nearest port city, and 
you leave this country. Looking for years, for any mention of the cult of monochrome, until you hear whispers of it, the group in Cabras. As you step away from the stall, after arguing with this halfling for about a minute, your stomach starts to growl. I'm going to look for a place to eat that's a little seedier than normal. I, my history of being on the streets makes it to where I'm, I'm more trustworthy of some behind the bar type of situ or behind, you know, back of the, the bar situation at the, at the door. Mm -hmm. Almost all type places. Give me yeah. a perception check DC 15 for a seedier bar. Looking, looking for the Denny's of the place. That was the wrong one. Right again. The Waffle House of the world. The, yes, the Waffle House of the <laughs> Hey, Waffle House is great, man. Great food. I can never escape. I got a five. You don't see any of the shadier places you're used to. But you do see that right next door, there is a tavern called the Thirsty Mermaid. And it looks to be the only tavern in sight. This will have to do. And Q's going to go to the Thirsty Mermaid. Alright. As you start to head in, we'll come back to the line to the two people who are standing behind you. One of them is a young human girl Long blonde hair and amber eyes. She's dressed in high quality silks and furs. And to her right, wearing slightly dirty but well made plate armor, stands a grayish pale tiefling. Vlad, as you both step toward the booth, the halfling sighs slightly before looking toward you both. And as he sees who's standing in front of him, he smiles. His eyes seem to shine. Ah, young lady Amelia. How lovely to see you again. It's lovely to see you too. How's the wife? How you know? Same old, same old. Ah, why don't you introduce me to your guard here? Ah, yes. Would you like to introduce yourself, Mr. Karma? <clears throat> Sorry, uh, Karma, I'm just a bodyguard here. Don't pay me any attention. Polite? I respect that. Well, Miss Amelia, since your father is lord of the city, you and your companion, of course, do not have to pay. I just need to Register some things with you, Mr. Karma. Uh, what's your full name and your country of origin? <clears throat> My full name is Karma Stargiver. <clears throat> and I hail from a country 
called Fandolin. Oh, you're from the north then. The far north. You're a long way from home. Quite indeed, yes. Well, Mr. Karma, he gets serious for a moment. You keep her safe. She's the best goddamn thing to happen to this country. Especially in this time of famine. If anything would have happened to her, I fear the country may fall into worse times than they are now. He leans back a second. Yeah. Takes a deep breath as he agree. Smiles. Well, I'm sure the young lady is hungry. Just go to the Thirsty Mermaid next door, and Selenwe shall see to it that they're both fed and rested. Tell them I'm pain. Have a nice day. He slightly ushers you off as he calls, Next in line! Isn't he just lovely, Karma? Uh, yeah, very, very... Me and my father work closely together. They've been friends since they were children. Quite, quite the history. He's more like my uncle than my dad's friend. Oh. Yeah, yeah, my dad cares about you very, very deeply. deeply. Oh, you must be hungry. Come, come. Let's go meet Uncle Salenway. She leads you toward the Thirsty Mermaid. And as you see her walk toward the building, you think on your life before, before you came this mercenary for hire, when you fought for a purpose, not just for coin. Everything feels slow. There's movement and sounds of steel slamming against steel. Noise is going on throughout this chaos. All you can hear is your breath. And the sound of the sword going to the guts of the soldier who just pushed you out of the way of this blade. You recognize your soldier. It's the other half-brother. The last member of your family. I just saved you from certain death. He raises his sword and cleaves the head off the knoll as shoved the blade through his stomach. He turns to you, collapses to his knees, circling to keep keep his eyes open, he looks at you and smiles. I've always told you. <coughs> Cross up blood before he goes to speak again. You gotta watch your six. <laughs> As his laugh fades, you see the light leave his eyes and he falls to the ground dead. You crawl to him Scream out sorrowfully. You hold your brother's head in your lap. For what seems like eternity, but is only moments. The sounds of the battle die out. And as you look up, you see that all the gnolls are dead, but it was with great cost. 
out of the 500 soldiers that made up this militia, there are maybe five of you still alive. You sit there for a while before the stench starts to overtake your senses. And no, even through your grief, you, you need to get this next task done. Or it'll mean bad things for all. So with the help of the others, you start to gather all the bodies into a giant pile. And you throw your brother on it, throw your brother's arms in the knolls. You know you have to do this to prevent famine prevent plague and famine, but it just seems wrong. You and the four others pick up your captain's body, him being the last one as his tradition, and a book falls out with a satchel on his person. You feel drawn to it, as if it's beckoning you to pick it up. I'll go ahead and pick it up. As you pick it up, you feel that something is tethered to your soul. And you ignore it, thinking it's just a pain in your heart from your brother dying. And all your brothers. You place your commander on the pile of dead bodies. And the five of you sit in oil. Light a torch and watch the bodies burn until there was nothing to fall. After resting for a while, you head back to the port city where your militia was based. And you walk into the tavern just wanting to drink your sorrows away. You see a young girl dressed in fine silks. Asking for escort back to her home in Faren. You see this as a chance to get away from the pain, from the loss. You accept. Two days later, you set sail for Kavras. You snap out of your thoughts back into reality. You see Lady Amelia walking toward the shop next to the stall. And she's waiting for you. It says you've been standing there for a couple moments. She grabs your hand, pulls you with her. Go get some food. You seem like you need it. She'll pull you in through the doors. As I'll, uh, I think go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna follow along and get food. Okay. As you to walk into the thirsty mermaid. We'll go back to the f group of four who are now at the front of the line. Patch, you step up to the stall as the men ask you, what's your name and the reason for visiting Kavras? He looks completely uninterested and unfazed with your appearance. Something you've never noticed in anyone looking at you before. I'm 
My name, uh, I go by many. Pumpkin King, King, Patch Daddy, BP, Chocolate Thunder, Ben, the most holy Patch. All right then, Mr. Patch. What's your reason for visiting Carver's? I say technically business. Business, all right. Well, that'll be one gold piece. Uh, would I be allowed to try to roll sleight of hand to, like, hand the gold piece, but have it be, like, tied to a string and as I walk away, like, pulled away without him noticing? Like, would I be allowed to try that? Sure, but roll with disadvantage. Got it. Mm -hmm. I'll do that. Ooh, that's an 18. Yeah, you successfully tie it to a string, and he doesn't notice. Here you go, my good man. He grabs it, and it disappears, and the string disappears with it. And he walks off. Ah, oh, young Drow. Are you from Grotkust? That is correct. Well, since you're from this country, you don't need to pay. I don't know why you got in this line in the first place. Next. I was making friends. But thank you. That's, that's actually a very good reason. He smiles slightly. Gives you a slight nod. I give him some courtesy back and then... I notice... Oh. I notice that you're coming from the SS Brandy. Your friend Dolores. Way on business and have returned home. Or at least as close to home as I can. Well, if you're interested, her half-brother runs the Thirsty Mermaid next door. You might be able to get a discount. The, sorry, my Wi-Fi pooped for a bit there. Um, I'm assuming he said to head towards the Leaky Mermaid? Or uh, the Thirsty Mermaid, rather? Yes, he informed you that... Because you were part of Laura's crew, you might be able to get a discount since it's ran by her half-brother. Yes, my... I was on my way with her performing and intended to do so. But thank you. Well, I have you... I hope you have a lovely rest of your day, miss. He then turns back to the line. Foundation, good sir. We now see him turn toward the Miss Ebonflame, and he looks at you. Name and reason for visiting Gavras, Miss? Alexandria and Travel. Travel? Very well. Are you here to see the sights, or are you going to anywhere in particular? Uh, wherever the road may lead. Ah. A pilgrimage. I had one of those back in my day. Obviously. Of a sort. Well, he hands you a registration card. 
I hope you enjoy your day here in Cabras. That'll be one gold piece, please. I'll give him the gold. He grabs it, disappears in the air. Well, hope you have a lovely rest of your day, and if you're hungry, the next next door offers great prices on food. Thank you for the information, and I'll make my way towards the, the mermaid. And then the final member of this group, he turns toward Riyadh. Hi, it's been over a year since I've seen one of your race come through here. Lovely young man. May I have your name? Rian. Rian Solis. Ah! I thought it was just me being racist, but... You're her... You're his br sister, yes? Yes. Yes, you remember my brother? I remember everybody who comes through here. I have to. It's part of my job. He was a great young man. He stayed at the Thirsty Mermaid for a while. It was only until two months ago he stopped. I don't suppose you know where he went. Um, he didn't say. But he left in a hurry. Here, he, ship he asked me to give this to you. He pulls out a letter, hands it to you. I was going to have it sent, but for some reason, every letter of his I sent out just came right back. I think I know why. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm guessing you're here looking for him then? Yes. All right, then I'll just put tourism on your... Registration card, that'll be one silver, please. Here you are. Um, thank you again. What was your name? My name? Not many people ask me that these days. I, I, he starts to tear up a little bit. No one cares about little old me. I really, well. I really do thank you for asking. You were a friend of my brother's. That makes you a friend of mine. My name is Fosco. Fosco Bullfop. Well met, Fosco. Well, I hope you have a very rest of your day. And good luck to you. Maybe, Thank uh, you. Maybe Celeste, Solenway, the owner of the person who made next door, might have some information for you. That was my next stop. Thank you again. This is... She clutches the letter close to her. This means the world to me. Well, I hope you find your brother well. Happy. I'll send word when I find him. Thank you. He was a dear friend. Oh, I'm sorry. Chill. He starts to cheer up a little bit. I'm sorry, but I really do must be getting back to work. She'll okay. hold out a feathered hand to shake his before. He grasps it firmly. Can you feel a silver? Can you feel a coin appear in your hand as he lets go? With with a smile, she uh, nods and 
You know where to find me. Walks away. He uh, coughs a little bit. <clears throat> Next, as you start walking toward the Thirsty Mermaid. Just to make this a little simple, can everybody roll initiative for me just so I'm, we can go in order as for communications and stuff until we get all grouped together? Yo, that is actually smart. What? Is, what? That is actually a smart way to go about that. Holy shit. I just realized I never put my initiative bonus in. Nor <laughs> <laughs> do I have any idea what it is. You are a level three druid, so it's two. For you get the plus two, yeah. It's whatever your dex modifier is. That's it. I don't think Perfect. druids get proficiency bonus to their uh, dex, so. Why the heck is letting me change it? Huh. You got a. Yeah, initiative. Oh, no, my dex modifier is only one, so. Okay, so it's plus one to initiative then. There we go. It's not one of the, of the campaign, baby. Let's go. We have okay. that 20 and a nat one, session one. Patch Here we go. Is that one? Amber, you got nat 20? Uh, no, I got eight. <laughs> Okay. That nat 20 was my persuasion earlier. Oh, yeah. I got a four. I got a four because my persuasion is <laughs> a, my, my not, not persuasion, goddammit, uh, initiative is three. <laughs> All right, patch is four. We got Amber at eight. I'm nine. Four. What's up? I got a nine. All right, I'm sorry. Voices again. I don't know who is talking. Karma. Karma getting Karma. Okay. Oh, I need to select my. T yeah, I got an eight as well. Okay, so Cameron and Amber probably can do a roll off then. Straight twenty. Yeah, straight twenty. Make it simple. I suspect Cameron's going first because I rolled a two. Are these all terrible rolls? Getting the bad rolls out the way. I like that. If you do not on that. Little quirk of being me. Unless I am in combat, my rolls are horrible. If I am in combat, watch out. Cameron can testify. To... I can testify. I got a seventeen. All right, cool. So now we just got Alexandria and names, 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 flat. I got a two. Servant. That's a two. And then Vlad? Nine. All right. Oh, you're playing Karma, so. Patch, that's who I need. No, I got Patches. God damn it. Names are horrible. <laughs> you. I got a four. Patchy Q, roll off, please. <laughs> Twinsies. I got a three. I got a... 
Okay. Okay. So I got the order. Karma, Cameron, Amber. Patch, I would have locked my ass off if we managed to get the same roll twice. And Servant. None of y'all got above a 10 on the first roll. Mm-hmm. Nope. All right. <coughs> All right, Karma. You and young Amelia have walked to the bar. She sits down and she excitedly waves over the barman. Selenway! Selenway! Over here! You see him walk towards y'all. Ah. Amelia! How lovely to see you again. How was your trip? Oh, it was just lovely. The weather was so nice. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to introduce you. This is my bodyguard and friend. Karma. Karma, this is Slendway. I just raise my hand. Like a little wave. Spoken silent type. Love it. Um so, Miss Amelia, what would you and your friend like to have? On the house, of course. Well, I would like to have what your famous apple pie and probably some monsters. What would you like? I'll just have beer and bread. Any preference on the bread? Not stale. We give that to the pigs. He... He turns behind him, and he, uh, on the table, he waves his hand, and a fresh steaming baguette appears, and um, a giant slice of apple pie with this whipped cream on top, with a pint of orange juice, and your mug of beer. He puts the plates in one hand and the drinks in the other, he sets them down. Would you like anything else? That'll be all for now. And I'm trying to hide like my excitement as my mouth is like watering. That, that, that'll, that'll be all. Thank you very much, Slimanway. I, I see the place is packed today. I'll let you get back to your work. Thank you very much. And he rushes over to this man in the corner. Stale. And, uh, Patchen, sorry, I'm, uh, Karma, are you just wanting to eat this bread and drink a little bit? Yeah, that's what I'm doing, but I'm, like, secretly side-eyeing everybody here. Are you trying to clean anything in particular, or just looking around? No, I'm just trying to keep, like, tabs on where everybody is, but I'm not trying to raise any suspicions. Alright. I would I would like you to roll me an investigation yeah, no perception check. Perception? Yes. That is a six. You know all the people that are inside the bar and outside the bay window, you do see a man sitting at that table outside. You don't really notice anybody shifty. Or you just think everyone's here getting off the boats, trying to relieve a little stress. 
maybe relax a little after a long journey. Looks good in my books. What could possibly go wrong? All right. Well, since Cameron's sitting with Patch, I'm going to go ahead and do both of them together. So, Lunway's going to come out to the bar, come up to your table. Ah, oh, yes, um, an idea. What should I classify you as? Pumpkin man? He's not trying to be offensive when asking this, he's just genuinely curious. Pumpkin man works perfectly fine. Huh? Mr. Pumpkin man, okay. And he smiles a little. What would you two like to order? I was wondering what your selections of wines looks like. Oh, a man of taste, I see. Um, well, we did just get this amazing... Woman of taste. Sorry? I am female, my dear. I had one, I had man of taste. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, a fine woman is such as yourself has wonderful taste. We did just get this amazing Vassal Redden, aged 20 years. It's probably one of the best vintages we got on the continent. That would do nicely. Alright, that's just going to be one gold piece for the glass. Excellent. Um, tell me, dear sir, do you by chance recognize me? Not really. You're actually the first of your kind of... Cast your mind. Sorry. Sorry, Anton. Are you... Are you... No, that's perfectly fine. Tell me, are you not the half-brother of the Captain uh, Laura Freehold? Hold on. He looks at you kind of questioningly because this is not information privy just to anyone. How do you know that? Perhaps you were not informed, but your half-sister, she came to my aid sometime last year. You look in... He looks into your eyes and just shock as he's starting to recognize you. I know you. Yeah, you you were that woman who she brought in covered with wounds and exhausted from running for a full day and night. Yeah. We Yeah, you were housed here for a few days as you healed. I remember you now. Yes. Well then. Well then, instead of that one costing you a gold, it will cost you one Ethereum. Two Ethereum. Sorry, could you repeat one. that? It got out. Instead of one gold, it's going to cost you one Ethereum, which is two Ethereum make one gold piece. Okay, no problem. <coughs> I 
will pay that. And if you happen to have a meat pie available, I don't care what the meat is, with one exception, please let it not be spider. <laughs> Fed you one of her spider pies, did she? <laughs> Thought it would remind me of home. She was not so delighted. So next, yes. You see, he gets a little somber and says, I'll have that out for you a minute, the pie's free. And he turns toward Patch. And Pumpkin Mouth, what would you like? Uh, I would like one beer and the same thing she's having. Would you also do me a service and bring me something to write with? Ah, yes, um, that'll be one gold and, uh, three coppers. All right, let me get the appropriate funds. He takes off his hat and reaches into it. It digs around and then just, like, takes out one gold and three coppers. Here you are. Puts the hat back on. Nothing seemingly seeming to fall. Hey, all as he flips it back. Hey, Patch, I'm going to make this canon right now. Your hat is a, yeah. has a small dimensional space in it that's like two foot by two foot cube. Okay. I was just doing it for a running bit. <laughs> but that's, that worked. Everyone got an uncommon magic item. You never got back to me, so you're getting the hat. You know what? I'll take the, I'll take the hat of holding. <laughs> the hat of miter holding. <laughs> He grabs it, and he waves his hand over the table, and your orders appear. Well, I hope you enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. As he walks over to the adorable weasel and the weasel's pet. (laughs) (laughs) That just registered what what you just said. <laughs> we we all know that Chirp is running the show. Uh, <laughs> for adoring listeners who have not yet met Chirp, Chirp is this white weasel with a little bit of purple fur, wearing a vest and carrying a shield. And yes, listeners, and that shield does give a plus two to AC. So that that little weasel has more AC than half the party. <laughs> Thank goodness. I don't With know what we do with 15. <laughs> Well, he walks up to the weasel and his pet Kanku. Nice. Oh, Would you and the well, young little crawly guy like some food today? Or ale or anything? Uh... Yes, please. Um, do you happen to have anything with some fruit in it? Yes, we do, but I will tell you, fruits are a little expensive with the famine. Go on I, vegetables, vegetables are acceptable as well. Um. All right, Tom. Um, I have a stew going right now. I haven't added any of the meat yet. It's been going for a couple hours. I can get you some of that before I add in the meat chunks. 
do sounds lovely. And uh, some water for him and whatever cider you have for me. And uh, all we really when can you're for all we can really get right now for this family. We got some pumpkin cider, but that's about it. Pumpkin cider sounds lovely. He waves his hand over the table and a bowl of the stew, the, the a glass of the, the cider, and a small little dish of water with a couple of a couple like fresh vegetables are sitting next to it. That will be one Ethereum and three silver, please. Uh, she hands him that plus an extra silver and uh, looks up at him. And he when slightly. you get a moment, yes. When you get a moment free, I've my brother Sharfs was here. I'd like to ask some questions about him. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, let me go ahead and get everyone else taken care of, and I'll be right here. I'll be right back. Thank Certainly. you very much. No, 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 and then he, uh... All right. Turn a member. Which of these characters is Q? Oh, wait, yeah, getting back. Yes, sir. Um, would you like anything today? Yes. Uh, give me one of your beers. Just whatever you've got. And uh, I was hoping you might have some information. Well, the beer is going to cost you two coppers before anything. Information might cost more. Right. He pulls out a uh, silver and sets it on the table. He grabs it. And it goes down his sleeve, and he waves his hand, and a pint of ice-cold beer appears in front of you. So what do you want to know? Have you heard about, you know, the mono crow? As soon as you said mono, he snaps his fingers, and a what looks to be a dome shimmers around you for a second. You don't want to say that name out loud. I'll take that as a yes. Anyone that lives in Varen that doesn't know what you're talking about is dead. They've been appearing around for a while now. Disguising themselves as, bandit, as bandits. A couple kidnappings here and there are a murder or two. And they attacked uh, our great Lord Quimple about a month ago. While he was on the road from Zell. He survived, but his uh, master-at-arms supposedly died, and he hasn't left his manor ever since. He used to come down every week or so just to say hi at us, the dogs. That's all I really know about the cult. Okay. What? This, uh... Great little Quimble, you say. Where is, he, where is he coming down from? He came down from the uh, small village to the north, about three days' travel, called Zell. Zell. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. That'll be it. You're very welcome. He waves his hand. The dome disappears. And he uh, walks toward the table in front of you, takes this guy's order, waves his hand. And then he walks to this table right behind a servant's character. He takes their order real quick, waves his hand, and then he sneaks behind, he gets behind the bar again. And looks at you, servant, and asks, oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. What can I get you? Just whatever you have on the menu today, whatever's easiest. I literally just wave my hand. I can ask for anything. Uh, I'm not the one. Stew and water, then. Would you like a meat stew or a vegetable stew? Uh, meat, thank you. All right, a meat stew is going to cost you a gold, and you said, what the? Water. Water. Okay, that's free. That'll be one gold, please. Yep, and I'll pay that. It slides down his sleeve. He waves his hand. A bowl of stew with the meat you didn't ask about, so you don't know what it is, and a glass of water appears in front of you. <laughs> well, I have my familiar at this point. Was he summoned or with you before? Would you have summoned him before entering this establishment or on the boat? I mean, I think I would have. Had, I think I would have. Like, you yes. can store them away in like pocket dimensions. Then yeah. And just bring him right back. I don't Wait, have a character I'll... model for him, but that's fine. It's... He can just be whatever, <laughs> or he can just not be on the map. He's not gonna fight anyway. Cool. I give a short whistle and a tabby um, thrasher will appear. Let's go smell the food to check for poison. Roll a medicine check for me. I, or is it a feat? Doesn't that's a feat they have? A thrasm can they have poison sense? Can you remind me what that does? Poison sense. A thrasm can detect whether a substance is poisonous by taste, touch, or smell. Okay, yeah. Thrasm knows nothing is poisoned. I'll give it a pat, and I'll start eating. As you start to eat, you s- you notice at the corner of your eye, the young girl next to the tiefling in armor gets up, settling softly to him, which Karma, you hear as, I need to go use the ladies' room real quick. I'll be right back. And you see her head out the door, and... I'm going to say this little storage area is the restroom. You see this big man walks up to the bar and he calls out, I'm in a way. It was good as always. Have a great day. Well, thank you very much. Hope you have a great, too, great day too, Mr. Gavin. Good luck to you and your husband. Thank you. And he walks out the door as well. A couple of moments pass by. And you hear screaming. It's Lady Amelia. She's screaming for help. 
Help! Help! They're taking me! What would you all like to do? I'm gonna immediately just stand up and sprint outside. Alright, airspeed uh, outside. Without hesitation, uh, Ree will also be running for the door. Alright. Make sure with you. I will, um... Laya, she downs the wine, and after taking one last bite of the pie, uh, she goes for the door with her rapier. I'm just gonna see Lee leave, roll his metaphorical eyes that he didn't get to prank anyone in this bar, <laughs> take the pie that he hadn't eaten, shove it in his mouth in one go, and run out. Alright. I'll follow along. How, mu how much of the stew is left? Um, at this point, it's been, like, five, ten minutes. You've just been eating. It's nearly gone at this point. Oh, then, in that case, yeah. Just, like, uh, exercise after the eating isn't great, and I'll follow along. <laughs> and you rush out the door? Yeah. And Q? So Q sat in this spot because he could see out the window. So he's, you know, he's looking already as he's getting up, but he's going to make sure that he's the last one out. You see this he's, one he's, guy he... in the back corner. He's just chilling. He looks a little yeah. created. Okay, well then we're gonna walk past him. Unless, unless I can do a perception check. Hold on, can I do that? Go ahead and roll a perception check. He's... What do you want to do with this perception check? I'm just checking out this guy, making sure that he's not got any shifty body language or anything like that. He's being over there in the corner, just kind of. All right. I'm just, just checking him out. Let's see if I can. And then perception. Oh man, I am not good at that. Well, <clears throat> not one. Oh. <laughs> right. Um, you really can't tell with him. He just looks like he's too drunk. He's too drunk for you to really get anything off of him. And as you look toward him, you literally see his head fall onto the table and start snoring. Okay. Well, then I'm going to follow everybody out. Boom. All right, everybody. You come out to the scene. Let me uh, move the tag over. Get everything set up. If you all would like to take a look at the battle map. A lovely battle map, if I do say so myself. It's actually so cool. I never had like battle maps and stuff. What's up? It's super cool because I've never used battle maps and stuff like that. I'm really happy you said that because I made this map myself. Dude, it looks really good. <laughs> I love it. It's really pretty. It is good. What? It is. It's really good. I've only really ever used hand-drawn maps on my whiteboard, so I'm actually really enjoying the experience. What you're going to see when you come out, things will load, that'd be great. This build, this big building right here, right where uh, the marker is, that's the tavern. The one to the right of it is the dot, is that little building where you came in to pay. As you can see, this is a large battle map. 
as you all rush out, it is. I don't know. I didn't know how to put one on. So, as you all rush out, you see this man right here loading Amelia onto a wagon and telling them to go. And he'll hold that. He he uh, tells the man on the wagon, "Get Hertz to the location. I'll hold them off." And they rush off. And you see him and four others. If I can get them out onto the board. Be great. There's one. There's two. There's three. There's two. There's three. Things will load. That'd be great. And here is four. Well, he's loading that for our listeners. The battle map in front of us has several older style buildings, three docks, and is right on the waterfront. Oh, it's. I got it loaded up for him. They can see it. Oh, awesome. Yes. And everybody, roll initiative. Hey. And that's all for this uh, episode well. of. This all this episode well. of Light and Varan. See you all next time. Thank you.